Hello, and welcome to our first episode of Dice and Death. We're playing V5, Vampire the Masquerade, and my name is Carter, your storyteller for this chronicle. If you enjoy the show, please consider following us on our various social medias at Of Dice and Death. Links can be found in our description. Before we get started, Vampire the Masquerade is a tabletop RPG about personal and political horror. Blood, gore, violence, torture, abuse, and sexual themes are a few of the subjects that may arise during our campaign. As such, viewer discretion is advised. Before the start of our game, I have completed a session zero with each of our players, and their limits in regards to content will be respected. Our first few sessions will be one-on-one introductions, or spotlights, for each of our player characters, before they meet and form the party, or coterie, as it is referred to in Vampire. This is our first time playing with this rule set, though it's hardly our first time with tabletop RPGs, but some mistakes in regards to rules are likely to come up. For those unfamiliar with Vampire the Masquerade or the World of Darkness, Vampire the Masquerade most often takes place in modern nights. Our chronicle takes place in modern Chicago, known to most vampires or kindred as the Jewel of the Camarilla. The city has become a symbol of Camarilla control. The Camarilla is a secret organization of kindred that has existed for centuries. They strive for power, control over the world, but most importantly, maintaining the masquerade for which the game is named. The masquerade is a set of tenets put forward to help keep kindred's existence a secret from the mortal world. Despite the Camarilla's efforts, however, several governmental organizations around the globe have uncovered their existence, forming what is broadly known as the Second Inquisition, a collective of vampire hunters. For now, though, the Inquisition's presence in Chicago has been of little consequence for the kindred who live there, but they remain an ever-present threat. The classes that traditional tabletop RPGs have are broken up into clans within Vampire. Each clan has its own unique abilities and histories. We begin our series of spotlights with our Ravnos, Apollo, played by Sean. There are, of course, plenty of other monsters prowling the night. Human, kindred, or otherwise, but for now... That should be all you need to know. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to a world of darkness. There was a time not long ago where when you woke from sleep, it would be to the sound of the hustle and bustle of a hospital. But tonight, as you hoist your dead flesh out of bed, is to the eerie silence so common in Gary, Indiana. The rotting boards beneath you creak as you adjust yourself. Just another change you've been forced to accept. You sit in the second-story bedroom inside a condemned two-story house. The only renovations that have been made in the last 30 years are the carefully installed boards on the windows, meant to keep sunlight out. Black mold coats the entirety of the first floor. Signs and caution tape surround the outside of the house in an attempt to dissuade any urban explorers from entering. Weeds and grass have grown to the size of an average person. The second-story bathroom has entirely collapsed and lies in the ruins on the first floor. Fortunately for you, however, you no longer have any need of it. 
This house, if you were generous enough to call it such, was provided to you as a haven by your sire. As you shake off your heavy, death-like slumber, your phone rings. It's a number that you don't recognize, but with the 219 area code, it's pretty easy to guess that your sire must have a new burner phone. You hear your sire on the other end. Hey. Hey. How's it going? Are you, uh, busy tonight? No, no, I don't have any plans. Uh, in that case, uh, come by my place. It's, it's important. Yeah, I'll, I'll be right over. Is everything okay? I can't really say much more over the phone. I, I had to keep it short. But, I uh, I think it's time you learned why I've been staying here. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be right there. I'll see you in a bit. Yeah. And the line goes dead. Oh, okay. Um, I'll collect what few things I probably have and immediately head out. Alright. Uh, you gather your meager belongings and head outside, uh, ducking under the caution tape. Uh, it's not a long walk to your sire's haven, but it's long enough to be an annoyance. You walk down the empty streets on a path that has become a usual route for you over the past year. The heavy silence of the night is briefly punctuated by the sound of gunshots and shouting a few streets over. Another quirk of your new life, which has become uncomfortably familiar. You continue to your sire's place. Twenty minutes pass. As you tread down the road, uh, with only another twenty or so minutes to go, your phone suddenly rings. It's your sire again. Um, hey, Dr. Shui, I'm almost there. Is everything okay? What's up? Change of plans. Stay away. Whatever you do, don't come here. I'll call you in a bit. If something happens, find my journal. Goodbye. I'll see you. You hear a loud bang on the other end of the phone, followed by a garbled mush of yelling and crashes. The line goes dead. Uh, I'll uh, toss the cigarette hanging out of my mouth onto the ground and break out into a full sprint. Full on sprinting there uh, cuts your time uh, getting there well in half. Uh, so it only takes five, ten minutes for you to get the rest of the way there. And as you arrive at your sire's meager haven, uh, you see something wildly out of place. Uh, a black van is parked out front, much too nice for the likes of Gary and Deanna. A tall, brown-haired man is leaning up against the van, keeping an eye on the surrounding area. Um, can I activate a power? Sure. Uh, can I activate uh, heightened senses? My senses sharpen to a preternatural degree, giving me the ability to see in pitch darkness, hear ultrasonic frequencies, and smell the fear of cowering prey. Uh, which uh, uh, mechanically allows me to add my auspects rating to all perception rolls. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. Uh, if exposed to extreme sensations such as loud bangs, flashes of light, or overpowering smells, uh, I must succeed on a wits plus resolve, difficulty three or more, roll to dampen my senses in time. Or the overload causes me to receive a minus three dice penalty to all perception-based rolls for the rest of the scene. That's fun. Okay, cool. Yeah, you activate it. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll activate it and like duck behind like a burnt out car or something. Okay, cool. Uh, go ahead and give me a dexterity. This is your first roll. 
Uh, give me okay. a dexterity and stealth roll, which you don't have any points in stealth, so it's just going to be a dexterity roll. Okay. I got a green onk and a red circle. You activate your heightened senses and quickly duck behind a, a nearby parked car. Uh, as you do, you unfortunately kick a piece of trash in the street and create a, a, a sort of noise, but you judge that it was probably louder to you than it was the guard uh, who doesn't seem to notice you. As uh, you sort of take in your surroundings more, and especially now that your senses have uh, been heightened, you are able to notice or see the house a little bit better, and you notice that the front door has been forced off its hinges. You also hear the sounds of movement coming from inside as a few moments later, a handsome, well-dressed, blonde-haired man exits through the broken-down front door. This is a man you have never seen before in your life. He'd seem exceptionally well-kempt if not for the blood running down his chin. The guard by the van reaches into his pocket and extends a handkerchief. The guard asks, find what you were looking for? The blonde-haired man accepts the handkerchief and carefully dabs the blood from his chin. He takes care to clean himself off fully before answering. Everything I could have hoped for. Let's be on our way, my child. The guard nods and opens the door for the blonde man, who graciously steps inside. The guard closes the door and moves to the driver's seat. The van roars to life and speeds away, unless you would like to chase it. Uh, no, I'll watch it take a turn down the street, and as soon as it is out of my sight, I will go through the front, the broken front door immediately. You walk through the doorway and are greeted with chaos. Furniture has been thrown about. The door, which you surmise to have been kicked down, is splintered in half. The kitchen bar has a large man-sized gash in it, and a large hole stands in the wall directly in front of you, leading into the bedroom. Before you even look through the hole, or even take another step further into the house, your senses perk up. You smell fresh blood. Past the hole lies a body, a wooden stake shoved through its chest, and cold, lifeless eyes stare up at the ceiling. The marks of a knife are clearly visible on his tattered clothes. Entire chunks of flesh appear to have been carved off of his body. However, the chunks themselves are nowhere to be seen. And surrounding his body is a thick, pungent, ritualistic circle of blood. Though it's likely his final death was reached only moments ago, the limp corpse of your sire has already begun to rot. His flesh, which once appeared almost identical to that of a living human, has now sunken in, and he looks more like a skeleton than a human. Oh, God. Oh. He's he's gone. There's no chance. Like I, I can oh, just tell that right away. There's nothing that can be done. Yeah, he is he is toast. He has reached um, final death. I'll uh, I'll fumble for a, an, another cigarette and light up light it up and uh, immediately start searching for uh, Doctor Sway's journal. All right, go ahead and give me 
a wits and investigation check. All right. So wits and then second attribute. Whoa, that's a lot of dice. Oh, yeah, that is. All right. Uh, three successes. So with three successes, you recall seeing his journal once. Uh, he stored it in an ins- uh, inside an air vent in the kitchen. Uh, it doesn't take you long to pop off the sort of vent. Uh, it appears to have been used very recently and is, in fact, missing uh, several of its screws. So it kind of just pops right off. Uh, and inside you find a very familiar journal. You quickly leaf through the pages. Uh, it clearly doesn't cover your sire's entire lifespan, and it appears to only really begin a few years ago when he first moved to the area. Throughout the entries, he makes repeated references to investigating what's going on in Chicago. As to what it is exactly he was investigating, that is unclear. It's all just vague conjecture and doesn't really seem to point to anything specific. But he did seem convinced that something big was coming. To your surprise, you find the final entry is addressed to you. It is messy, hard to read, and clearly written in a hurry. If you are reading this, I am sorry. I wasn't able to tell you this in person. I ask that you do not seek revenge for my death. As truth be told, since I embraced you, I knew this night would come. The man after me is named Nicholas de la Fontaine. He's been chasing me for decades. I believed that I had lost him for good since coming here, but it seems your embrace created ripples which drew him to me like blood from a wound. Tonight, I'd planned to tell you about who I really was, why I came to this horrible place, my mission, and, well, my real name. But for the sake of those I hold dear, I cannot write the answers to any of the above out of fear that this journal makes its way into the wrong hands. But know that my presence here and our meeting was not born of coincidence. Something is coming to Chicago. It's in the air. The blood. The people. I wish I could tell you what it was. I wish I'd had more time. I do not tell you this because I want you to carry on my mission. I tell you this as a warning. You cannot stay here. Whatever is coming, you cannot stop. That is clear to me now. The city is a lie. It holds only death. I know you. And I know you will want revenge for what has been done to me. But it will only lead to your utter destruction. I write this now in the hopes that you will be better than I, that you will do what I could not do. A single word lies at the end of the entry, capitalized and underlined no less than three times. Run. A decision lies before you. What would you like to do? Uh, I'll close the journal uh, and I'll, I'll put it in my backpack and uh, uh, grab a few more books, uh, uh, any anything that I might have found in while I was searching for the journal, uh, anything that might be helpful, things about 
you know, vampire or kindred culture, anything that he may have had on hand. If he doesn't have anything, that's okay. Does uh, Dr. Shui have any, uh, was he the kind of guy to keep any weapons? Did he have anything that I could use to protect myself since he is telling me that I'm in so much danger? I think with, we'll, we'll go ahead and use the same wits and investigation role you used earlier. I, I, th- okay. I think you seem to recall that he never utilized any sort of weaponry like that. Um, partly because he, he, a, he, he, he used to be a doctor, so, um, he, he doesn't typically like inflicting harm on people. Um, mm-hmm. But beyond that, he he felt as though that were he ever truly threatened, he could he could handle it by himself. Okay, so uh, uh, you you do not recall that he he has any anything of the sort. No. Well, I guess I need to find a twenty four hour gun store. <laughs> um. Okay. Um. I'll uh, uh, approach Doctor Shui's body and um, if I can like close his eyes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and then I'll say, um, uh, well, I've never been very good at following the rules, so sorry. And I'll uh, head out the door, and I will guess I'll just, is there anything outside, Any any anything I could see outside, any hints to where the van might have gone, like a... a, a dropped map which would be <laughs> kind of crazy but that'd be pretty uh, handy um no and, and again i'll I'll still just utilize the yeah i figured before um but uh no uh however you you did note that really the direction that it, it sped off down the street um there's really only one thing of note in the direction it looked like it was heading and that is the highway to get into chicago proper as you walk out, though, you do have a thought. Uh, a name comes to mind. Uh, you'd only gone with your sire to meet her a couple of times, but perhaps she could help you. Uh, her name is Hannah Bolton, a local kindred who operates out of an abandoned church nearby, known as the City Methodist Church. Which is a real church, by the way. And it is abandoned. Uh-huh. It's very spooky looking. Very. Okay. I'll head back inside and I will find anything flammable in the house. And I will uh, try and get as much of that together as I possibly can, sort of spread it everywhere. And I'm going to light the house on fire and then head to meet Hannah. If I can find her. I love it. Yeah, I I think you you would know where the church is. Um, It it, beyond it being a, a pretty popular Gary, Indiana landmark. Um, you've you've been there a couple times, so okay. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So you um, you set the house ablaze pretty handily. Do you like say anything before you uh, light this mother up? Or I think I'll just stare for a few seconds, maybe even a minute, and go <sighs> on my own again. And head out. Nice. Behind you, a inferno starts to roar as you walk down the street. Light begins to illuminate your path. Minutes pass. 
and maybe 10 or so minutes down the road, you start to hear the sound of fire engine sirens. Uh, it doesn't take much longer to get there, maybe another 10, 15 minutes before you arrive at the church, but as you arrive at the church, you get a pretty good look at it, and you've, you've seen it before, but uh, you can tell some of the walls have crumbled from neglect. There are windows that have been smashed open, and currently echoing from the inside are the sounds of loud, raucous music. A number of cars belonging to the gang you've come to know as the Copperheads are parked in front and on the street side. A single man stands leaning up against the massive door leading into the church. As you approach, he looks you up and down, and without shifting his position, he barks at you. The fuck do you want? I will, um, sort of pull, tug at my bloody collar a little bit, and, uh, say, um, uh, uh, Dr. Zwei sent me. I'm, I need to talk to Hannah. Is she in? Uh, he doesn't move for a moment. Uh, but then as if with a great deal of effort, he sort of pushes himself off the wall and uh, pushes open the door for you. And he just says, uh, she's at the altar. I'll walk in wordlessly. Um, right. And again, sort of uh, 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 shift my heavy overcoat to like retreat almost inside of it like a like a turtle shell so uh you walk through the door puddles of standing water dot the floor what used to be pews are now broken pieces of wood scattered about the ground there's a dozen or so copperheads that are kind of just standing around some lifting weights others sitting down and relaxing on some shitty torn up couches or chairs what have you as you enter however all the eyes in the room turn to you there's a tall, muscular woman in a military-style jacket smoking a cigarette who sits on the stage in front of the ch at the front of the church. She takes a long drag and exhales, leaving the cigarette in her mouth. You lost, kid? Um, no, um, uh, I, um, I'm, 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 I'm here to, to meet, you're Hannah, right? She stares at you in silence, just sort of taking another long drag. She doesn't answer. Uh, uh, uh Doctor Joy sent me. Um, uh, how are you, Joy? I'll sort of look around, and he's was my sire. He's. I need your help. She takes another moment, kind of thinking for a moment, and then uh, she hops sort of off the stage and, and says, Dr. Jouet ate it then? No, he's, he's gone. Hmm. Well, that's a shame. He was a pretty reliable customer. But, uh... Here's the thing, and and she kind of sort of starts to walk over to you, uh, saunter more like, and um, I'll she... sort of like not not like physically take a step back, but like I'm definitely sort of shrinking away from her her presence. 
as you sort of pull back from her, that only seems to encourage her. And she she sort of picks up the pace just a little bit. And um, she continues and and says. uh, So. Just to get this straight, you. You think that just because you were here when I did business with your dead friend, that that makes us buddies. Let me explain something here. And I'm going to have you go ahead and make a roll for me. Ooh. Uh, Is it a be intimidated roll? Sort of. Okay. Give me a roll of wits plus composure. One success. All right. Well, meets it, beats it. So. Oh, <laughs> you had real life, Sean, a little nervous with that yeah. pause there. Yeah, there you go. For for just a moment, as she sort of locks eyes with you, you feel an almost slimy sensation slide up your leg, almost like a snake. But you're sort of able to shake off this weird feeling, uh, partly because you're so on guard and uh, whatever were to happen next uh, doesn't seem to happen. And as as you kind of... Uh, shake this off uh the rest of the gang kind of gets up a little bit like like they're kind of like okay is, is something about to go down as hannah gets closer and closer to you she stops when she realizes that you you sort of fought this thing off whatever it may have been and smirks a bit and then shrugs and and says see i have all the friends i need i don't need a new buddy like you so why the fuck should I help you? I'll um swallow hard and go, I don't want to be your friend. I just need you to be helpful. L- listen, does the, does the name, and I'll uh, take out the book, the, the journal, and I'll flip through it, and I'll, I'll show her, but I'm not going to hand her the journal, but I'll just show it to her and say, does the name Nicholas Delafontaine mean anything to you? She, she uh, without even like looking at the book, she's just gonna say, "Never fucking heard of him." He killed Doctor Shui. Ate parts of his body, not like how you and I feed. Chunks, entire chunks, pieces of his body were missing. Uh, more violence and and destruction than I've ever seen and i'll put the book away and and say i need to find delafontaine and i don't know anyone else except for you so i'll do anything you ask me to i just need you to get me to chicago and just give me a little bit of help at you mentioning you'll do whatever it takes she kind of cocks an eyebrow a bit and looks around at her crew and uh, sort of starts to like circle you like a, a sneer kind of forms on her mouth. And, and she says, um, this uh, Nicholas, see a cami. He's Tremir. I am sure of it. Is that good? Well, I, I'm no fan of the cami. We, we've, we've done business every once in a while. 
you know, it's their city. It'd be hard to make a living if I didn't, but as far as I'm concerned, they're a bunch of fucking assholes. So, I'll tell you what. I'm not unreasonable. How about you do just a little job for me, and in exchange, I'll, I'll get you everything you need to hunt this uh, fontaine or whatever. Yeah, yeah, sh sure. Um, uh, I, uh, I can do. I mean, what what is it that you need? She circles around to your front and and clasps you on the shoulder and um, sort of. Starts I'll sort to of jump when she does it. <laughs> uh, she she kind of starts to explain, like holding her cigarette in her hand and sort of gesturing very wildly and like over the top, like she's definitely playing it up. Um, and she says, "Uh, you see." There's this cop. He's been sniffing around our little uh, outfit for the last few months. Now, don't get me wrong. We have a couple cops on our payroll already, but, but this guy, he's been uh, nauseatingly uptight. You bring him to me so I can have a chat with him, and we're even. Deal? Uh... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, deal. Square my shoulders, try, try to look tough, but I doubt it's working, and I'll, I'll hold my hand out, very formal, and go, um, yeah, he, he'd uh, consider it done. At, at that, uh, Hannah's gonna kind of laugh a bit and look around at the gang and, and say, you hear that, everyone? Consider it done! And the whole gang's gonna laugh in unison, and then she's, uh, after she's sort of done uh. laughing... Uh, she'll kind of turn back to you and say, uh, smart kid, hold out your hand. I hold my hand out to her. She takes her hand off your shoulder and like in the blink of an eye, she just jams it up into her mouth and, and you see like it hit her fang and oh. uh, blood starts sort of dripping from her finger and... Um, no, no. She she grabs your wrist with her other hand and yanks you close uh, and quickly writes the address uh, in her blood on your hand. Uh, and as she's sort of writing this out, she says, he lives alone, so it should be pretty straightforward. And as she sort of finishes writing it up and uh, sort of shakes the blood off her finger, she kind of tightens her grip around your wrist a little bit, like a coiling snake, and says, uh, Oh, and I need him alive. Got it? I'll swallow hard again. The the any air of confidence I may have conjured has faded. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's fine. That's fine. And I'll I'll I'm not looking at her. I'm like looking at the ground. I am visibly shaken. Good. She lets go of you. She she takes a step back and says, um. It's about a mile or so out. Do you have any wheels? No, I have... I got nothing. Alright, take these then. And she uh, flicks you some keys that she, she pulls out of her pocket. It's a uh, leftover from one of our uh, raids. We were just going to get rid of it, but you may as well use it first. It's parked around back. Do hurry back to us, okay? And uh, as, I think as she says that, the, the rest of the gang kind of laughs again, and she walks off, um, completely done with this conversation. 
I'll um do everything in my power not to break into a run, but uh, quickly leave uh, and I'll leave out the front then circle around the building. And when I think I haven't been seen, I'll slump against the wall and just like fall to a sitting position. I'll take a look at the address and go, okay, cop. I could, I, I could do a cop. I can, I think I could do a cop. Okay, and I'll get up and head around back to see what my new my new whip is. You make your way back uh, to the back of the church, and you see what looks like a large vehicle uh, surrounded by weeds. It's resting under a large blue tarp. Uh, you pull it off to find a slightly used ambulance. <laughs> Uh, a number of parts seem to have been scavenged off of it. Um, there's a couple windows that have like a little crack in them. Uh, the left side of the vehicle as a whole has a pretty large impact mark of some kind. Uh, you surmise very likely from another car. It does, however, seem perfectly functional. Yeah. Do I have a burner phone or am I working with like, like, is this like a flip phone they got from the cricket? A bodega store or is this like uh do i at least get like a an iphone or an android or something like a smartphone i i think because you have zero resources i think you have bottom of the barrel super old like nokia phone oh oh well, that's okay that's a weapon <laughs> i just bludgeoned someone to death okay yeah i'll i'll climb in go okay well i guess it's better than nothing and drive off towards the uh, the address if I know where it is. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you would definitely know. You, you've been here for most of your life, so you kind of know your way around. Um, it does take you a minute to kind of track it down, but, um, you know, your, your innate knowledge of just having lived here leads you to the right place eventually. You pull up to a rundown one-story house. Oh, actually, I'd like to pull up, like, a block away. Oh yeah, okay. If possible, totally, totally. Uh, yeah, um, I can't. I I can't imagine this a uh, uh, fucking hunk of junk on wheels is particularly <laughs> quiet. And yeah, I, I don't. That's, <laughs> that's a very good point. Yeah, it's probably not. Yeah. Okay. So you you park about a block away. Uh, do you uh, sneak over there? Walk over there? I'll try to. I'll walk. I don't want to be like obviously sneaking, but I'll try to stick to the shadows. Um, is this a, a neighborhood that like lots of people live in? Like, am I now in like not a condemned neighborhood? Like I, like I started the, the night in. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's a little more populated. There's still a lot of empty houses, um, but they're not necessarily like condemned. Uh, people just don't really want to live here. Um, okay. But, but there are neighbors around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll stick to like, you know, nighttime shadows, avoiding any, you know, porch lights try to be remain as unseen as possible but not like walk in a line between uh you know complete like cat burglar stealthy and like a dude walking down the street in a dangerous like a in a shitty town at 11 p.m right. <laughs> like i don't because that's even more suspicious than like a guy with like a raccoon mask like you know the little mask that goes over his eyes and like uh -huh. a big bag of money with like a dollar sign on it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, okay. As you uh you sort of approach, I I won't make you roll for this because, you know, you're kind of just walking down the street. Um Yeah. But as you as you approach, 
there, there's a couple things you sort of take in about the house itself. Uh, while a lot of the house seems like it's in disrepair, uh, the lawn seems meticulously well kept and very well maintained. The roof is clearly in disrepair, but there's like a fresh coat of paint that seems to have been applied to the outside of the house. And from the road where you currently are, you can also kind of see that there's like a backyard that's lined by some sort of shitty like chain link fence, but it's hard to tell how far it goes. Uh, the front door looks old and it's chipping paint clashes with the fresh coat that's applied to the rest of the house. There's a single window into the living room that sits facing the road. There's a single car parked in the driveway to the right of the house and a small little concrete path leads past the front window and to the front door. From the window, you can also see that there is a single dim light that appears to be on sort of past the living room and towards the back of the house. It, it seems very dim, though. Like, it, do, it doesn't seem like uh, like someone's up and about kind of light. Gotcha. This is like uh, the light above his stove, so he doesn't yeah get a he doesn't like bump his toe while he's getting some midnight snacks right that that kind of like lighting yeah it's yeah lighting. eating shredded cheese out of the bag sort of guy <laughs> right yeah <laughs> okay do i see like any do i see like a like a beware of dog sign in the backyard like on the on the fence uh, yeah. does he seem like he's gonna have like an animal that i need to worry about so uh are you going around to the backyard then uh, I'm just still scoping it out. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, then yeah, no, I, I wouldn't say that that there's any sort of sign of that, just from what you can see. Can I make my way over and look through one of the windows? I'll do, uh, look through. Yeah, uh, yeah. One, one of the windows, maybe the one that is uh got the dim light nearest. Sure. Yeah. You you sort of look through and um, you don't really see any movement. You also, if you're still looking for pets, which I assume you are. Uh, yeah uh you don't see any sort of sign like telltale signs uh, that there are any pets like you don't see like a food bowl or anything don't see like chew toys on the ground or anything right yeah it it just kind of looks like a messy house you also don't really hear anything coming from inside but also bear in mind that that by this time your discipline has worn off my heightened senses yeah okay shit can i try to slide the window up see if it's unlocked sure yeah or actually before I do that, yeah, can I check the the windowsill, like see, you know, look through the glass on the inside to see if there's an alarm system? You know, one of those ones that like, oh yeah, yeah, it's got like the two little pieces of plastic that if they get too far away while the alarm is armed, it'll go off. Do I see anything like that? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, go ahead and do, I guess, intelligence and larceny. Okay, that feels like uh, a larceny thing to to know or look. Sounds like. good. I do also have um, a specialty in uh, break-in, uh, which I get from my predator type, uh, oh, which okay. is a stealth um, Oh, yeah, yeah. Then, uh, then uh, go ahead and do that. That makes more sense. Okay. Two successes. Uh, you don't see any, any sort of sign of that? Okay. Uh, I'll slide the window up. All right. If, if it's unlocked, I guess. Yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and use that. Um, it's not, like, immediately unlocked, but you kind of get the sense that if you were to, like, jam something up under it, uh, you'd be able to get it. So you sort of fish around for a little bit and find, like, a little stick or something on the ground. Uh, you kind of jam under the window and, and kind of use to, like... Buy it open. Yeah, lever it open. And uh, there's kind of, like, a, a thunk as you, like, sort of break the latch on the on the window, and it's now open. Okay. 
Hannah didn't say if this guy was was a Kendra, did she? She did not, no. Just that he was a cop. <sighs> okay. Do I see signs of, of of him being kindred? Like, does he? Is there like a like an unconscious and uh, recently fed upon mortal, like it just hanging out in the living room? No, no, okay. there's de- de- nothing like that. No. All right, I'll um sort of briefly rub my like throat and uh activate uh, a silence of death uh so basically any sound mi- any minor sound like footsteps bumping into things uh that sort of stuff are silenced unless i like you know knock something over like i knock a lamp over it obviously doesn't silence the lamp it is just things that emanate from me only sense of the unseen an auspex one discipline can detect the user so if this guy's kindred and he's got sense the unseen up then my thing does nothing and then i will slowly pick my way through the house looking for what might be a bedroom yeah okay man that's free too that's awesome yeah nice yeah i got that off of i think my predator type right yeah yeah yeah. i think i think i got a free obfuscate uh discipline that's pretty sweet yeah, uh, it doesn't really take you very long uh, to find the bedroom. Uh, in fact, it's it's right where the light is coming from. There's sort of like a side table lamp that's sort of like casting off into the hallway. And beyond that, uh, you also can hear pretty heavy snoring. So it, it's pretty easy to find where this guy's at. So you, as you approach the, the, the bedroom that he's in, you uh, see a slightly overweight, middle-aged man, balding, who's currently fast asleep uh, in his bed. Uh, right now, he's just in like a tank top and some pretty basic sweatpants that could use a wash. Oh, do I see... Uh, 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 do I see like his copy uniform or even better, do I see his um like his utility belt, his gun, his taser, maybe any like home defense weapons that he might have? Yeah. Uh, uh, like, does he have like a shotgun under the bed or something? Go ahead. I feel like that should be a check. So go ahead and do a wits and awareness. Three successes. You find a pair of handcuffs. You also find his uniform, uh, which he kind of has just haphazardly thrown on the floor of his his bedroom. <laughs> um, yeah. And unfortunately, you don't find any weapons. Uh, you do, however, find a weapon safe, uh, which you surmise likely has some sort of firearm in it. But you you clearly recognize it as being like made for weapons. Okay. Uh, it is un- also currently, unfortunately, locked. Yeah. I don't want to do too much in this room, even with Silence of Death. I don't want to be like, you know, I don't want to risk knocking something over, waking him up. Do I? I'm pretty. I'm noodly. I'm not a bodybuilder right do i feel like i could overpower this guy like he's gonna be pretty you know disoriented if i wait when i wake him up but like if he gets his wits about him pretty fast does he look like he could throw me through the wall i mean you mentioned him being overweight but so i i I think the awareness plus wits would be a pretty accurate role to to sort of gauge that Uh, so i'll just use that one still 
I, I think you surmise that um, if he were to get fully up and like fight back, he could pr- like he would definitely outmatch you in terms of just mass, and sure. it would be uh, probably be a lot harder to to sort of wrangle him. But you you think that if you if you could be quick enough and kind of get him in a good advantageous position, you could probably take control. Okay, and then one more question before I do something. Yeah. Where are his two hands located? Is he like spread eagle and they're really hard or the like hard to get to? Or does is he sleeping like with his hands clasped under his head like a little pillow? Then I could sneak the handcuffs onto him. He is definitely spread eagle right now. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I, I think he has he has probably like one like resting on his belly and like another one sort of off to the side. But yeah, that's about it. I'll sort of I'll, I'll pick up the handcuffs as quietly as possible and then think to myself, oh, I should have asked Hannah for a gun. Um, and then I will do my absolute best. I will move as slowly as I possibly can and try to get a handcuff just around one of his wrists and then move his arm, like sort of arrange his arm so that I can like in a flash click them both lock. And then, you know, that'll probably wake him up and I can I'm going to. When that happens, just so I can pre-plan everything, uh, once he's handcuffed, I'm going to grab him by the throat to just sort of, uh, not trying to choke him. I don't know if, I don't think I'm trying to choke him out, but I want to assert that dominance over the, over the room. Right. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and give me a dexterity and stealth then. That makes sense to me. Uh, Since you're trying to like move slowly, but like deftly. Yeah. One success. One success. Okay. So he's snoring pretty heavily and you manage to click one of his wrists. But as you do, he kind of like, like, like he kind of like is waking up a little bit. So I'm going to have you go ahead and make roll one more for me. Okay. So this is, I guess, to get the other hand. Yeah. Same, (laughs) same thing. All right. Oh, zero successes. Uh Uh-oh. So he he kind of snorts and like his eyes roll open and uh like while you're sort of fumbling I think with zero successes I don't think you fully get the the wrist locked but you're so you're uh-huh. sort of like fumbling with it and uh he's just kind of like bleary eyed and and really like and he's going to say what's happening <laughs> I'm going to go um I'm going to stare deep into his eyes as deep as I can I'm not an intimidating individual and I'll go this is all just a dream. Go to sleep. You're safe at home. <laughs> In internally, I'm going. What the fuck am I doing? What am I doing? This is crazy. <laughs> all right, go ahead and give me a manipulation and subterfuge roll. Okay, two successes. He he's like half asleep still, so he's just kind of like, uh, uh, and uh, he kind of falls back asleep. And uh, you use that opportunity to to finish snapping that other handcuff on. I sort of think to myself as like I finish clicking it, and I was like, if I'm this guy's dreams, I don't I don't even want to know what he's thinking about while he's asleep. And then oh, he's handcuffed now. What do I do? <laughs> um, <laughs> shit, I didn't think this far ahead. <laughs> um, I made a plan B, but I didn't have a plan A. I'll, well, now that he's handcuffed, now I'm going to... Can I maybe search the room again 
or like a note for the gun safe. I want to get in there really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think like, like if he's like written down like the the security code and like stuck it like I don't know in like his uniform pocket or like a bedside table. Right. Yeah. Those, um, th- I'll say those are the two places I'll specifically check. Okay. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um. I think I think that's justification enough for uh, a repeat. Sure. So yeah, uh, do the same role. I think we did, what, wits and investigation? Uh, awareness and wits. Oh, awareness and wits, that's what it was. That was at least the most recent non-stealth role. Right, yeah. Uh, do that uh, okay. one. And then if I don't find it, I'll stop asking. <laughs> uh, four successes oh, with one of them being a crit. Yeah, okay. So you find, in like his bedside table, you find like a little sticky note that just has, like, a bunch of different number strings on it. Clearly, like, for different things. Like, one of them's a phone number. One of them, like, <laughs> is probably, like, a password. It's, like, a, a computer or something. Like, it, there's just 30 different things on here. But you do notice that one is, like, a a four-digit code that might work. Okay, I'll, um... You know what? I'll pocket that. I'll, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that that series of passwords, um, <laughs> <All right. laughs> you know, j- just in case. Yeah, just in case. Um, and I'll I'll sort of skulk over to the safe and input that code. All right. Uh, and it opens up to reveal four million dollars in cash. Uh, unfortunately, not. Um, Damn it! There appears to be just like a single pistol, just like a standard like Glock, like police issue pistol. A couple rounds uh, of ammo, like a, or maybe like a box of ammo, and there appears to be a picture of uh, the man you've just handcuffed and who you surmise to be his young daughter. Uh, like just a, in a frame, or or just like a loose picture. Definitely in a frame. I'll, I'll, jeez, okay. Um, I'll put the picture like face down so i don't have to look at it and i'll I'll grab the gun and load it and then i'll walk over to this guy take a deep breath and smack him in the face with the gun and go hey i i lied you weren't dreaming <laughs> yeah he, he goes ah fuck what who who the fuck are you what's hey no no, no, no. shut up shut up Okay. All right. Okay. Just take just take it easy. Sure, we can work this out. Um, I've never done this before. Uh, stand up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, you're the boss. Uh, and he kind of he kind of stands up. You also kind of get the sense that as he's doing this, he's he's kind of eyeballing you. Yeah. Like he he's he's uh, he's sizing test- me up. Yeah, sizing you up. Exactly. Um. Uh. Go go outside. You first. I'm don't. I'm gonna keep my eye on you. Okay. Okay. All right. He he starts trudging along, and as as he's walking, he says, uh, "So what's this about, anyway?" Uh, my um, my employer. No. Um, don't worry about it. Employer, you someone hired you to kidnap me. Why would they no. do that? I'm. I mean, I'm nothing special. I'm a cop in Gary, Indiana. Well, I. I can't really. I don't. I don't know why you chose this career path, but please uh, keep moving. We're, you're. We're gonna go down the street, and then you're gonna get into my car, and we're gonna 
drive somewhere. And I'm uh, thinking to myself, I'm like, the fuck am I going to keep this gun on this guy while he, while I'm driving? I'll, I'll march him out the front door and, and down the street towards where I parked the ambulance. While you're like walking and, and like saying all of this to him, uh, he, he's also going to kind of like counter back because he, he's like absolutely playing like cop on you. Sure. And, and he's like, I, I bet it was the copperheads, wasn't it? Is that right? Those are the guys who hired me. I've been fucking with them for the past few weeks. Uh, no. It was a different gang called the... Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. Kid, I, I, I got the feeling that you're in a little over your head. Um, no, actually, I think it is you who is in over your head, so keep walking. I've been doing this a long time. I can recognize someone who's a little green around the gills. I'll tell you what. You give me back my gun, you let me go, this whole thing just stays between us. All right? As we're walking, I'll be quiet for a, a few seconds to go. Do you know anyone named Nicholas De La Fontaine? I know anyone... No. That sounds French. Why would I know some French man? What? No, um, I have no idea who that is. Does the word... Ooh. Does the word Tremere mean anything to you? Oh, Tremere, you mean that, Nicholas de la Fontaine. Okay, yeah, now it all makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Me and him, we go way back. Do I suspect? Does he seem like he's lying? Uh, give me a wits and insight. Oh, boy. Oh, Jesus Christ. Zero successes. You have no idea. Fuck. <laughs> how old's your daughter? Wait, what's your name? And how, how old's your daughter? He, he he's at that he's gonna kind of like stop in his tracks and say uh why are you bringing my daughter into this <sighs> i don't want to do this but i have to and well, you're kid that, that that we both know that's not true you don't have to do this at all you, like you just let me go. We can talk about getting you some protection, all right? The, the Copperheads, they're a fucking scourge on this place, okay? I mean, we already have enough problems with their absolute insanity. So, look, just drop the gun, take these cuffs off. You know, we can we can go talk about this down at the station, okay? How's that sound? Would you like a cup of coffee? I, I, is there any, like, uh, types of coffee you like? I could get you, you know, whatever you want. We got a pretty good selection down at the uh, the station. Uh, has he turned to face me? I think at this point, yeah. Yeah, he probably okay. has. I'll squeeze my eyes shut for just a second and then go, no, I don't like coffee, and then I'll fucking bean him with the gun. Like, I'll, I'll pistol whip him and try and knock him out. All right. Give me a strength plus melee, but you don't have any melee, so just strength. Great strength check. Yep. I've one. I've got one pip in that. Oh god, I shouldn't have done this. That's a failure. Fuck. I'm just gonna fucking break his nose for no reason. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I I think you uh you you go to like swing your swing the pistol down on him and he he brings his hands up, like even though they're still cuffed, they're still like at the front of him. So he just brings them up and and catches the gun and is like, son, listen, we can talk about this, okay? There's no reason this has to escalate any further. He's got my, like, hand, like, caught in the... Like, can I move my... Like, pull my hand away? You can, but it'll be another check. I'm going to try and do something. There's going to be a lot of steps to this, but I'm going to tell you what I want to do. All right. Sounds good. I want to knee him in the balls. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> drop the gun from my right hand, catch it in my left hand, and shoot him in the leg. Oh, shit. Okay. I'm going to say that that's probably going to be like a dexterity because okay. I don't know, that just makes sense because you're like moving fast. So yeah. do a dexterity and composure roll for me because you're also trying to like Ooh. stay cool. Three successes. Yeah. So in one pretty swift motion, you uh, knee him in the balls and he, he kind of yelps and uh, <sighs> drops a little bit and lets go of, your, of the gun long enough for you to sort of drop it in your hand and you pop one straight in his leg. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, I have uh, to do this. And he's going to start screaming and you're like, oh, God. Oh. Shut up. Shut up. Aren't you a cop? Aren't you supposed to be cool? Hard boiled? Shut up. Fuck. God, God ah. damn it. Uh, I'm going to. Uh, how close are we to the ambulance? Because I, I assumed we were outside at this point. Yeah, I, I think you're probably maybe like 20 feet away. OK, I'll run to the ambulance, turn it on, drive over to him. Obviously, you know, this this is going to take some time, but this is my plan. Wow. Drive it over to him, open up the back, and, like, do my best to hoist him in, close the door, and drive off. As speeding towards uh, Hannah's. Yeah, I, 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 I think well, you just no. do that because he's kind of incapacitated at this point. Okay. Um, I won't have you roll for it. I want to, while I'm doing it, look around for anyone, but actually I don't think Peter can feasibly think to do that. <laughs> That's fair. He's I, I think fan. he is like so overwhelmed with having just shot a man, uh, which he's like literally almost never held a gun before. Um, <laughs> right. I, th I think he's just like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. And he's just like trying to get out as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. I love it. You speed away from the scene. A as you're sort of driving away, you don't immediately see any sort of signs of uh, life in the homes nearby. There, there may be, but you're kind of out of there too quick to tell. But uh, after a few minutes uh, of, of bearing with uh, the cops sort of screaming and writhing around in the back of the ambulance, you sort of pull up to the church. Uh, and as you sort of come to a stop, the, the cop kind of gets a hold of himself enough to, to be like, listen, son, you really you don't got to do this. You seem like a good kid. We we can work this out, really. I'm going to turn back to him and go, you don't know anything about me. And I'm going to get out and uh, head inside. Having pulled the, the, the ambulance up to where one of the copperheads can make sure the guy's not going to, like, break out and run away. Right. And with a shot leg, I don't think he can, but, you know. Yeah. As you get out, the sort of guard out front who you saw earlier notices you and bangs on the door and uh, a couple of thugs come out to greet you. And they, they kind of go straight over to the, the ambulance and pop it open and grab him out and start dragging him in behind you. As they sort of like drag him past you, one of them is like, Hannah wants to talk to you. And uh, they go inside the church. Do you follow? I'm, a, uh, I'm like holding the gun in the palms like of my hand, like out. As if, like, you know, in the same gesture of, like, if I was giving something to someone, holding it like that, mm. and I'm just, like, kind of staring at it for a few seconds, and I'm like, oh, no, this is bad. And I'll stuff it down, like, pocket of my pants or throw it into my bag or something. Um, well, probably not. I think I want to keep it somewhat nearby, but not, like, holding it as I walk in. Right. And then head inside. Yeah, okay. As you enter the church, uh, you see a crowd has kind of gathered in the main hall, more so than there was last time. Hannah stands at the center, grinning just ear to ear as the detective is sort of slowly dragged to her. And there's like a tiny little trail of blood coming from his leg. The two copperheads kind of like hoist him up. So he's kind of standing on his own. And uh, 
as this happens, Hannah locks eyes with the detective and you see her pupils sort of shift into slits as her eyes also change into a more yellowish snake-like color. And as this happens, the detective suddenly just stiffens, like stiff as a board. And Hannah says, let him go, fellas, I got him. And the two copperheads that are kind of holding him let go, but they stay pretty close by. Hannah, still sort of maintaining direct eye contact with him, slowly approaches the detective and uh, draws a blade from like the back of her pants and says, Hi, detective. So nice of you to pay us a visit. The detective kind of angrily stammers out with some difficulty, uh, and he also says it a lot quieter than when he was talking with you earlier. He says, uh, What the fuck is this? What have you, what have you done to me? And Hannah smirks and says, nothing yet. And she kind of like gently brings her blade up against his throat, but doesn't actually like press it in or anything, just kind of a threat. And she continues and says, see, it really hurt our feelings when you turned down our generous little gift. See, we like making friends, but I guess since... You didn't really want to be friends, so doesn't that make us enemies? Hannah suddenly thrusts her blade into the stomach of the detective. No! <sighs> and rips it upward, uh, slicing a really deep gash in his gut. <sighs> Blood quickly gushes out all over the floor, and her eyes return to normal as the detective screams, falling backwards onto the ground. He tries desperately to sort of clutch at his wound, but the two copperheads uh, that were standing nearby quickly pin his arms to the ground so that he can't hold on to it anymore. As this happens, I, I run out the door. I, I'm I'm out. I'm like fuck this. I I I am not cut out for this shit. I am I am out. I don't like you know drive away, but like I I'm waiting outside. Right. Well, so uh, as you go to leave. Yes, you, yes. You find that uh, the guard from outside is currently blocking the uh, the front door. <sighs> okay, uh, then I'll just... I, I will stand, like, I assume he's standing, like, right in front of it. Yeah. He, he's watching just, the show. Yeah. Uh, uh, if he's very obviously not going to let me out, then I will just stand... Uh, with my back to the to the violence, just looking down at the ground, uh, like right in front of him. Not trying. I'm not moving anywhere else. I am just like making it as clear as possible that I do not want to be here. <laughs> totally. Uh, do you want me to describe what's happening, or would you rather me just describe what you're hearing? I can give you the full picture if you would like, or I can just give you the onomatopoeia, so to speak. I would say, yeah, whatever whatever I'm hearing, since I'm not looking at it, I think it's important right now that I only hear. Totally. You hear the sound of uh, a knife being tossed to the ground. You assume it's the one that Hannah just utilized. And uh, her voice sort of lowers. You get the sense that she's probably like crouching down. And uh, you hear her voice as uh, sort of the copperheads are kind of like cheering and, and whooping at, at, at what's happening. And um, Hannah says, uh, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I meant for that to be a cleaner cut. See, I, I wasn't sure you'd make it here tonight, so I, I didn't really have time to sharpen my blade. After she says that, you hear the sound of someone like tossing something through the air and you hear Hannah like catch it. And she continues and says, see... 
since you didn't get our last present, I, I wanted to make sure you got this one personally. You hear the sound of... It's sort of like a punch, but a very, like, liquid one. Um, uh. Uh, and you, you and, and as this happens, the detective lets out, like, another roar uh, of agony. And you hear, like, the sort of mushing come to a stop. And... <laughs> You hear sort of the sound of like, Ugh. like, like someone's like, sort of like, you know how when you eat fries and like, they're like salty afterwards. And so you, yeah, like, you smack in their lips. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's kind of like that. And, uh, sort of slowly the detectives like cries of pain transform into sobbing and you hear the knife sort of get picked up and then you hear one more like a little like th the the detective doesn't let out a cry though so you're not really sure what that sound is specifically you hear hannah sort of go low closer to the ground again and she says shh don't worry i'll take real good care of you okay we're friends now see everything is gonna be all right as she sort of says this the sobbing kind of stops and you, you don't actually really hear, like, you hear the detective and, like, he's still, like, sort of laboriously breathing because he's been through a lot. But he, he's not, like, crying or screaming anything or anymore. Then uh, you hear Hannah's voice uh, go high again as she sort of, like, stands back up and she says, get up. The two copperheads sort of release him. You hear the detective start to stand. Are are you still sort of cowering in fear at this point, or? I think he will, like, you know, squeeze his eyes and then look over his shoulder. What does he see? You you see Hannah lock eyes with the the now standing detective again. Who, by the way, as you sort of like look him over, you note that his wounds are gone. His his clothes are obviously still drenched in blood, but um, he's not, like, bleeding anymore. Even, like, his, his leg wound from the bullet uh, appears to be better. And uh, as Hannah locks eyes with him again, they once again change shape to, to look like that of a snake's. And uh, she says to him, You're going to walk down to the station. When your fellow officers bring you inside to make sure you're okay, you're going to call this number. And she hands him, like, a, a shitty burner phone. And, um, uh, ha like, with a little bit of blood that she has on her, her left hand, she she once again sort of, like, writes out a number, uh, like, on his hand, like the palm of mm -hmm. his hand, like she did for you. Uh, sure. And she, all of this while maintaining eye contact, by the way, and she says, finally, and you're going to forget that you were ever here. The detective, who, like, once this, like, note has finished on his, the palm of his hand, turns and stumbles toward and out the front door. The, the guard, sort of watching the entrance, steps aside to let him pass. All the while, he, he's just sort of wearing a blank expression on his face and, like, doesn't even seem to acknowledge or even notice you. As the door closes, there's a sudden burst of laughter that erupts from the room and the copperheads start to disperse as this happens 
Hannah walks over to you and, and kind of like hits you hard on the back and is like a little green around the gills, ain't you, kid? Will you help me now? I think I will. I, I just want to tell you, kid, you did good. Well done. You know what? Why don't you keep that new ride of yours as a thanks? And uh, listen, if if you're going to go to war against some cammy asshole, take this. She reaches behind her and pulls out uh, a judge shotgun, hands it over to you. Little something to remember us by. I'll take it and just hold it loosely in in my hand, like down at my side. I'm, you know, doing my best not to look at her and go, okay, um, if I need your help in the future, are you going to be available? She's going to smile and say, yeah, we're friends, kid. You ever need our services, we'd be happy to oblige. Just... Bring some money next time if you don't want to go on one of these little errands. She kind of leans in close to you and and continues on and says, uh, Another thing. You're not going to live long in Chicago if the Camarilla finds out uh, Ravnos is out and about poaching from their stock. So, my advice? Might want to do something to get on their good side. Till you're good and ready to make your move. I hear that there's been a white causing the Camarilla some trouble. Maybe start with that. Anyway, good luck, kid. I hope you enjoy your revenge. Ain't nothing sweeter. She kind of chuckles to herself and uh, walks off and sort of joins her gang celebrating. Uh, I will walk to the front door of the church and put my hand on the door to push it open and then turn around to look. Do I see what was thrown to uh, Hannah during the scene with the detective? Like, is it still on the ground? Do I see what she showed him? No, you do not see anything. There is nothing on the floor. Well, it can't be worse than what I imagined. And I'll push the door open and get into the ambulance and drive off. All right. Uh, are you headed into the city then? I think so. I think I I make sure I've got all my things and take a breath and look at the Chicago skyline probably a couple miles away and go... <sighs> Ella Fontaine. Okay. I could do this. Probably. And I'll start up the ambulance and drive off. All right. It takes you a while to sort of get all of your belongings that you have scattered about, sort of gathered and uh, organized in the ambulance. So by the time you hit the road, uh, some time has passed. And as you're, you're starting to approach Chicago, like proper on the highway you well do, let me ask you this do you have the radio on yeah yeah i'll turn on some tunes all right 
if if not to make the or uh, uh, the drive is probably not very exciting, but also maybe to take my mind off of the events of the night. Right. Yeah. As as you're sort of rolling down the highway, the music you're listening to on the station gets interrupted, and and mind you, it's been probably about an hour now since the events of the church. And uh, a news speaker comes on and and says. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a breaking news story. An explosion has erupted from the Gary, Indiana Police Department. The cause of the explosion, as well as the number of casualties, is currently unknown. However, officials are on the scene. More news on this story as it develops. I have gotten myself into some deep shit. You find yourself gripping the steering wheel rather tight. And you feel... Something is just pulling you into the city. But whether that's your lust for revenge or something else entirely, well, who's to say? You ride forward, rolling quietly down the road and into the black maw of the night. <laughs> 